Hi, and welcome to a special edition of The Social Angle, an ASI media podcast that helps promotional products professionals gain an edge in the social media realm. I'm Digital Content Director Vinny Driscoll, and today I'm joined by Charity Gibson, account executive for supplier Peerless Umbrella, to discuss the crisis Facebook currently finds itself in and what it means for your business. In this recorded live discussion from Twitter Spaces, Charity and I discussed the firestorm surrounding the Facebook papers, the rebrand to Meta, and much more. Should you be abandoning the Facebook ship, or should you keep calm and carry on? Find out right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's promo space. I'm your host, Vinny Driscoll. I'm Digital Content Director at ASI, and I'm excited to share the mic with Charity Gibson. Now, Charity, I'm not 100% sure what your title is. I have it down as National Accounts Manager at Suppliers uh, Peerless Umbrella, correct? That is correct. Uh, And then I also own a company that most people don't know. It's called Green Banana Social, and we do social media for about 12 suppliers in the industry. So I uh, create content, copy, uh, do daily engagement, and then we do strategic planning and consulting as well. Perfect. So we're going to be talking about Facebook and the PR firestorm that is surrounding the social media giant. So everyone, welcome to Promo Space. There's a a lot to unpack with this topic. Um, But before we get started, I encourage anyone who would like to join the conversation to hold it until the end. If you want to speak and you're on mobile, you should see the request mic button in the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, When we finish our discussion, which should be about 30 minutes, could be a little bit longer today, we'll encourage participation then. If you're on desktop, unfortunately, you can only listen. Um, And for the record, I am recording this space so that we're going to be having an archive uh, next week for a podcast. All right, let's start this space, Charity. So Facebook, like we said, lots going on. First, there's the PR firestorm around the Facebook files, which for those who don't know, is a whistleblower report that details that Facebook had research proving users felt worse about themselves after using their products uh, and buried that information. Also, there's information in the report that Facebook could have done more about the dissemination of misinformation, but chose not to because it was good for business. They wanted people to keep coming back. Then there's the rebrand. Yesterday, Facebook announced that they are going to be renaming themselves um, to Meta, um, which is a mark Zuckerberg favorite. He loves meta. He talks about the metaverse. And we'll get into that in a minute. So in your opinion, Charity, how will all of this affect Facebook as a business? So you're right. There's a whole lot to unpack here um, and could probably be something we talk about for days instead of minutes. But um, I think going back to the very beginning, Facebook's at its inception, I really feel like had Um, not innocence as its roots, but just like any business, when you start it, it's, you're really there for that purpose and what it can do. Um, It's when people start getting creative with your, your tools that it becomes art in a sense. And in this case, um, this is the art of business. And so I think originally, of course, you talk about Facebook became a place to connect and a way to keep people Um, informed about certain things between family and friends but of course things cost money and so like anything else how do we generate profit or at least enough to uh, enough money to cover our operating costs and then it just kind of evolves from there so um, obviously watching the social network it's very interesting to see I don't know why everything has to turn into something that we market something that turns profit it's very interesting to me um, and when TikTok first started, for example, one of the things that, you know, Gary Vee was pushing was everybody get to TikTok. This is the next marketing giant. And my battle cry had always been, I think Brandon's listening in one of this. I don't know if he was in uh, one of the rooms when I said it, but I just, I'm like, leave TikTok alone. Like, give us some place where we can just go to turn off the business and turn off the marketing faucet and turn off the advertisements. I just want to go there and I want to watch stupid videos of people dancing. And I don't even want to. I don't want to be on it. I want to leave that for my 13, 14 year old kid that she can have a place to go where there's not being sold to. Her data is not being collected. It's just a place where people can go to get away from this world. And it's an escape. Um 
Same thing happened to Pinterest. Pinterest was a place where I just went to go to look at houses I'm never going to buy and crafts I'm never going to make, but it was an escape. And now the interface has changed and it's all about, you know, prioritizing and monetization and sponsored posts and money and money and money. And I think um, everything that's happening with Facebook to me is a symptom of our consumerist society. And so while we may be upset about the things that are happening and about the data that it's, you know, collecting and how things are being used and the negative feelings and emotions we have associated with it, at the end of the day, People Magazine is still in print because people buy it. And all of the things that we as consumers get frustrated by are all of the same reasons that everything exists. We talk about in promo, you know, the the big online giants, um, the reason that those exist and how frustrating it is that they exist, but they solve a problem. And in the Facebook economy or an environment, it, it solves a problem. You know, people want to be social, but they don't want to leave their house. Um, you know, people want to even go shopping and sometimes they don't want to get dressed and go some places. And so Facebook has become this all encompassing, uh, piece of something in our life. And so unfortunately, maybe it's in the wrong hands or it's just become too consumerist or like everything else, little by little, it kind of grows and becomes more and more of a beast or an animal. But the unfortunate thing that I see is it's not going anywhere. Um, and these practices are going to continue just because, like everything else, we accept those terms and conditions of using a new phone, of signing up for a new social network, of um, using a new credit card, whatever it is. We don't read the fine print because we are too hungry for the services that that is going to provide for the unique emotional void that that service or product or whatever it is is going to fill. And so I don't see social media going anywhere anytime soon, no matter what they do. Yeah, you bring up a great point, um, you know, in terms of what Facebook's looking to do here. I think in, in the new name, Meta, the metaverse, I mean, what Zuckerberg's really trying to do here is create a, a digital environment, uh, a place where people can come and really kind of engage with their friends, shop, um, have a digital living space without ever living, leaving their homes. And, you know, I think... I think you're right. I don't think Facebook is going to be too affected by what's going on. In fact, I, I believe the third quarter numbers just came out recently and Facebook is, is doing OK. Um, I expected, you know, a shift. I expected a down arrow. It didn't happen. Um, of course, these are the numbers they're sending us. I don't know how accurate they are, but, you know, I, I did see that users are still up. Um, you know, revenue is still up. So Facebook is doing OK. And, you know, this name change. Look, is it a deflection? Is it a smokescreen? I don't know. You know, were they ready to do this? Potentially. Um, but again, this is something that they're really pushing now to kind of, you know, try to bury some of the bad press that they're getting. Um, but, you know, when I think of toxicity and I think of social media, I don't only think of Facebook. I, You know, Twitter. Twitter is certainly one of those networks that is, you know, was pushing misinformation and a lot of hate. Um, you know, do you think Facebook is being singled out because it's the biggest and most scrutinized network? Absolutely. I mean, I think in any situation, you're going to have people that are going to try and bring in and a lot of that might be fueled by their own competitors, right? Because, you know, why wouldn't you want to take your competitors down or, you know, spreading that misinformation? But the thing that I think is really, really important personally People keep saying Facebook is spreading or Twitter is spreading. Again, go back to the root of the problem. It appears that it is these platforms that are spreading it. The platforms are simply a conduit. It's just a vehicle that is a multiplier. So we're talking about positive press, right? When I tell this all the time, again, going back to promotional products, when you have an amazing promotional product and it has a fantastic message on it, that's why influencers are so big. This product ends up in the hands of an influencer and one promotional product getting into the hands of the right person with enough followers, that message will be multiplied and it will spread like wildfire and spread faster. So it's not the platform spreading anything, it's the people. So at the heart of all of it, it's not, I don't personally believe it's Facebook is the problem or Twitter is the problem. People are the problem inherently. And so 
I also, I can kind of see where um, I know that they have to be regulated and that a lot of careful thought and deliberation has to go into these social networks because they affect so many people um, and because the messages do spread so quickly. But at the heart of it, I think the company itself is responsible for the company. The people, all of us individually, need to have a better grasp on our personal brands and what we say and what we do and understanding how what we say and what we do is influential and impactful to other people and take a bigger personal responsibility for what we are personally spreading um, on these different platforms. So yeah, I think they do get scrutinized because they're the biggest, but I think it, again, it just comes down to each of us and no matter what network it is, when you get mass adoption and all of these people on there, same thing happened to clubhouse, people start opening their mouths. And unfortunately this is what comes out. And you learn a whole lot about the heart of people um, through these platforms. And it's not pretty. It's very ugly. And that's why I think there's so much scrutiny. Yeah. And I think that uh, Facebook is taking a beating because, um, you know, in, in this report, these Facebook papers, um, the whistleblower did say that, you know, Facebook was turning a blind eye to the fact that, you know, they could have done something about the hate speech that, you know, was on their platform, but they didn't because they wanted people to keep using the platform. Whereas uh, a platform like Twitter, yes, there was clearly a lot of hate speech, a lot of uh, misinformation being spread, um, but there isn't the data that proves that Twitter wasn't doing enough to, to, to prevent that spread. Um, and I do know that Facebook and Twitter, you know, they did, both networks did uh, deactivate Donald Trump, uh, Trump's account last year. So, you know, they were, they seemed like they were trying to, to do something. Um, but again, Facebook, there is proof, or there at least there are research papers that, um, you know, suggest that um, they didn't do enough and they knew that they weren't doing enough. Right. But I um, think inherently, don't, don't you... I, I don't know, you may agree or not agree, and this is not political at all, because I, I'm not going to go there. I don't I don't play politics at the lake. We don't talk politics when in places I don't know enough to know. Um, I think the biggest thing is, what is truth? And who has the truth? And are we going to leave it up to Twitter and Facebook to decide what truth is and what pieces of truth they feel are okay to share? And I think this is where it really comes down to... Um, fundamental values is is i don't want facebook deciding what i see i'd rather see all of it and be able to make an objective decision as an intelligent individual than have stuff filtered out i'm not going to put the power in somebody else's hands and that's what i think people want other people to do like these corporations they want the corporations to take responsibility again it goes back to us the accountability is on us if we're spreading misinformation to me, that might be truth because that's my bias has brought me to that point. I don't know any better. To me, that is what I believe is true. So it gets down to what is truth. And that is an argument that I don't think we're ever going to solve because unless you believe in absolute truths, which is, you know, you get there by science and then the variable change and all of a sudden the truth changes. So that to me, it becomes a very a philosophical conversation, but that's where we are. There is no actual truth right now. And that's what is so, I think, frustrating and so concerning about what is happening on social media. But again, it's a, a symptom of something much bigger. We don't know what truth is. So how can Facebook and Twitter or anything regulate it? And then the the other thing that I want to talk about, too, is um, understanding that, you know, they're talking about they realize that people don't feel as good or feel worse after using the platform. But what I think is really important to understand if Facebook shut down tomorrow, there is a grief that would come with it because it would be a uh, death. It would be a grief associated like having a death. Um, I actually read a book with my life coach and it's the grief and loss recovery workbook. If you haven't ever read it, if you haven't heard about it, go on Amazon right now, order the dang thing, Go through it if you need to talk to me. You absolutely can while you're going through it. But it's the Grief and Loss Recovery Handbook. And it talks about by the time you're 30 years old, you've associated or have, um, I'm sorry, have uh, experienced up to 40 losses in your life. And that could be the death of a person, but it could be the loss of an expectation or an ideal. It could also be the loss associated with something not coming to fruition or the loss of something tangible or intangible that you 
want in your life that you no longer have in your life, the massive amounts of depression and psychological impact that Facebook leaving our environment would have on the entire population would be devastating. I know that that's a weird thing to say, but if it left tomorrow, I personally, I have an absolute social media addiction. And if Facebook disappeared tomorrow, I'd be devastated. Like it's, it's real. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, and I think that it was engineered that way, you know, so is Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook or Meta in a bad spot? I don't think so. I think they've spent the last, like you said, 13 years or whatever, 15 years building up something that people rely on almost like an addiction and to pull the plug on Facebook would be incredibly difficult. And they know that. Um, and also backing up to your other point about the truth of content, you you nailed it. It is about truth. Like who is to decide what's truth and what's not. So once you start, you know, as a network, start picking apart what you think is truth and deleting it and what you leave. I mean, that can be an, you know, that could be censorship, you know, so the networks are in a bad spot too. Like, how do they determine this? This is correct. This isn't, this is mis misinformation. This isn't, we're going to cut this out. We're going to leave this. They're opening themselves up to, you know, even greater scrutiny. Um, and that, you know, that puts the social network at a disadvantage. So just let everything go. And I think that's kind of where Facebook is. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, how do you feel from a personal perspective about Facebook. I think you touched upon it a little bit. I know you use it a lot for business. You're very active in the groups. Um, you're very helpful. Business is a huge part of what you do use Facebook for. But what about from a personal perspective? Do you have any stories where it affected you negatively? Um, I mean, again, Facebook has been a part of my life since I left MySpace, you know, back in 2007. And I was hesitant to leave MySpace because I loved it. Um, and now being here, I mean, yes, there's definitely, it's interesting because it gets so woven into the fabric of our lives, right? You watch somebody have a baby and now we've been here so long. I'm watching that same, you know, birth announcement that I saw walk across the stage on graduation. So there have been times absolutely where, um, it has negatively impacted me probably, I would say personally, but because I'm so intertwined in my professional life, I mean, all of you in this room, for the most part, are people that I consider dear friends, you know, and we're, it's, again, it's all woven into the fabric of our lives. And probably because of Facebook, I feel like the most positive things have happened in my life because I'm connected to certain people on social media. Um, the Band Together event that Danny had this past uh, weekend in North Carolina, I've gone to that every year. And it was a very positive thing for me to be able to see everybody getting together and be able to walk through that event, even though I wasn't there this year. And on the same token, there was also a negative side effect as well, because that, you know, FOMO and watching everybody hang out and doing things that you know that you've done previously that you're not able to do now um, is a little psychological damage, psychologically damaging. So I use Facebook every single day. Um, I'm on it, you know, instead of watching TV, I will come onto Facebook. I use it, uh, for good. I like to say, uh, which again, personal accountability, I use Facebook to keep in contact with people, not to hide from people. I am a hyper social person and social media platforms are meant to foster social activities. And so I, um, I love meeting new people and then bringing those conversations and relationships into fruition in reality as well. So for me personally, um, I see nothing but upside, but I am, I carefully structure my feed. I only follow people that it's like your diet is not just what you consume and eat, but it's also what you feed your mind. And most people don't take the care and concern to structure their feed. So they're only reading every day what is edifying for them. Um, so, yeah, I, Facebook is it's my number one go to and I'd be lost without it. <laughs> yeah, you you had a great point right there. Um, you're a seasoned Facebook user. You know how to use the network's um, uh, features that are available that. A lot of people don't know, like you can kind of curate your feed to make sure that um, some of your friends who might, you know, post triggering information, you can hide their, you know, their posts, you can silence people for, for a certain amount of time. So I'm the same way as you, Charity. I, I've been using Facebook a, lo a long time. I know how to 
go to the network and find the content that I'm looking for. Um, but that's not true for everyone. Not everyone knows how to use the network, um, you know, to, to kind of filter out the toxicity, to get rid of the stuff that they don't want to see in their feeds. Um, so to me, I think that I, within the last, I guess, four or five years, I've become a lot better at understanding the platform and how to make sure that it, it works for me in a positive way. Um, so, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, my family, we've had a lot of issues because of Facebook. Um, you know, I'm not going to like, we're not going to get political here, but you know, some of my family are, are very political on social media and you know, it's, it's difficult for me to see what they share, what they engage with um, and be, you know, try to take that out of the, the conversation when I see them. Um, you know, so it's kind of put a, a, a little bit of a rift, you know, with us and, and my family, you know, I've got two sisters as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it's difficult. This has been a difficult, you know, stretch of, of years for Facebook because of what people are sharing, what people are engaging with and, um, you know, how it's affecting families. Um, so to me, I feel like the network, like you, I use it a lot. Uh, I'm invested in it. I'm interested from a personal perspective to see what's going on with family, um, you know, around because I have family all over the country, uh, you know, and it's been very good in that respect. But again, it's also been very difficult for me to to craft the network so that it is feeding me the, the important stuff, the stuff that I need, the positive stuff. Um, so I know that like at the end of this conversation, Charity, you know, I'm going to invite people to come up and, you know, tell their stories as well. But how do you personally um, separate uh, business from personal? Do you have any tips on, on what to do for people uh, who may not know? Well, I think as I said earlier, as I really, I don't sell, necessarily separate business from personal as much as I separate strangers from friends. Um, so in that regard, you know, anybody that's on my uh, Facebook page or my, Inst I have a, a private Instagram account. It's not necessarily one side or the other. I just believe, you know, it's a balance of life and everybody that I meet, if I like them and I know that they, you know, are legitimate people and they're not complete strangers, then they're kind of given that invitation, that window into my life. And I will post about my daughter and my life. And I mean, I'm, I try to post the highlights, but I also try and give people a very well-rounded view because, um, I also am a photographer. And so some of the pictures that I put out there looks like I have this like perfect life. And so I do find myself constantly reminding not only myself, you know, um, but other people that, you know, you're getting a glimpse and really trying to be responsible with my social media use to let people, you know, see the well-rounded charity, like in totality. Um, so business and personal doesn't matter to me. There's no separation there. It's just, have I met you in person? And do I get weird vibes from you? If I get weird vibes, I'm probably not going to accept your friend request. But if, you know, I've met you, you're a real person. I'll give you that kind of glimpse into my life for sure. Um, I guess the other maybe component of that is, um, you know, as far as what we're talking about on the different platforms. And one of the most I think beneficial things in my life and and things that I have been fortunate to be exposed to have been understanding human behavior and really being interested in psychology and what makes people do what they do and why people do what they do and so understanding bias and also understanding our needs as humans. And this is where people don't have maybe a high enough emotional intelligence. So I would just recommend that anybody listening seek out knowledge on, on uh, human behavior, uh, learn about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And what I would say is, at the end of the day, when you're reading these Facebook messages, we read the words of that sentence um, that people post as a Facebook status or a tweet or whatever. And immediately, for some reason, we forget everything we know about that person, right? We have known them for years. We have heard thousands of words spoken by them. We've given hugs. We've had 
shared meals. But for some reason, that one sentence sticks out and everything we know about that person becomes irrelevant. And we now have this new way to judge them based off of this one sentence. And um, growing up the way that I did as well, my dad, I was um, uh, abused by my dad and he went to jail. When he got out of jail, um, we continued to talk by phone, by letter. He would even visit sometimes. And I got to know my dad as a human. And in totality, you know, the abusive person in him was maybe 5% of who he was, but 95% of him was somebody that loved fiercely, had some brokenness, uh, was incredibly intelligent ridiculously creative, one of the best chefs in the world. And so I feel like we do this all the time because we pick out one sentence that somebody says, almost like if you're a Christian, you read the Bible and you take out one verse in the Bible and all of a sudden that's what that verse means. And it's just the whole book is about this one sentence. You take it out of context and all of a sudden something that was meant for good becomes this you know, piece of something that's completely scrutinized. And so I think we do that with our social media statuses and we forget all of the good that we know about that person and all of the heart that we know about that person. And we forget that inherently as humans, we all want and have a need for the same things. We all need shelter. We all want acceptance, security. Um, and when we take the person away from those things out of context, we realize that we are all saying the same thing. It's like when you get a text message and you read it the wrong way, you use that person's voice in your head. And you're like, well, they said blah, 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 blah. No, they didn't. They said, I really don't appreciate, or I really, you know, maybe I really don't like this color instead of, I really don't like that color. Like how we hear it in our head, we read people's statuses the same way as we read text messages when it's, that is not it. There's no voice inflection on social media. There's no, you know, in this situation, it's so different. I could say something here and you would hear it one way. And if I wrote it on my Facebook status, you might get pissed off at me. So we have to really do a better job taking personal accountability and responsibility as humans when we read something what is that person's heart? If it's my sister, I've known her for 40 years. She didn't mean it that way. But because she didn't have the right, you know, tact and finesse of how to type something, she's not articulate, it comes across as abrasive or crappy or whatever else. And now we're in a fight with that person who we've loved our whole lives because of one stupid thing they posted on Facebook. So it's on us. It's on people to take accountability and responsibility for the things that they say and realize how things might be perceived. But it's also on the receiver to understand the intent behind what people say. And we don't do enough of that. And that's a lot of words, but that's that's a lot. But there you go. No, thank you so much for sharing that, Terry. Um, I mean, bring up, you know, some great points there um, about not only the message, but the receiver, you know, the receiver has to, you know, understand where it's coming from. And a lot of times we have interactions with, with our family that could be um, not so good on social media, but it's the strangers. These are the people that I think most people have the problems with the public forums, the conversations that happen in groups um, where you don't even know the person, but you assume the worst. And I think that's where the toxicity kind of builds you're not 100% sure, um, you know, what they mean by that. You're assuming the worst because they're not aligned with you politically. So it fosters um, hatred and toxicity. And, and that's, I think, I think that's where um, a lot of people look at social media and say, you know, oh, it's nothing but, but hatred. But you're right. You have to kind of look at everything. And especially for those that you know, you know, like my mother, you know, she posts things that I don't agree with, but I know she's got a great heart. I'm like, you know, I know, I know my mother, she, she wouldn't meet, she doesn't mean that the way it's being taken. Right. So, so that's a great point. And, you know, I, I wish more people could do that. I wish I could be a little bit more compassionate when it comes to that. My, my reaction is knee jerk. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, I can't believe she said that, or I can't believe she posted that. So, yeah, I mean, that's great advice to, to, to sort of take things, um, you know, as face value, don't add inflection or tone into it and just sort of read it and, and see how there could be other meanings in what you the, the way you took it. Absolutely. And also ask questions. I think, you know, this is a great um, catalyst to conversation starters. 
but sometimes we do get reactionary, right? We see something or hear something and we're like, oh, well, I'm just going to write that person. I can't believe. And instead of, instead of saying, you know, I can't believe that so-and-so would say that, you know, I'm going to take the time to message and be like, hey, I saw your status and I, I understand, I think I understand, is this what you're saying? And if this is what you're saying, can you tell me like how you got to that point? I believe a little differently, but I know, you know, my experience is different and I'd love to hear why you believe how you believe. And, you know, that is where that conversion happens or, you know, whatever, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. I've been, you know, born in Chicago, moved to the West Coast, things are very different out here. You know, uh, coming into the industry, the, a lot of, uh, you know, people on the East Coast, a lot of Jewish people, Jewish holidays. I know absolutely nothing about that because I wasn't exposed to it. So I've been enjoying um, a lot of the Jewish suppliers posting about the Jewish holidays that are happening right now. And, you know, instead of like, oh my gosh, they're closed and people getting offended, it's like, tell me about this holiday. You know, what holiday is this and what are you doing during this holiday? And, you know, what is it about and how can I support you during this time? What are some of the words that I can say so that I'm, you know, just aware of things that I haven't been exposed to before? And so we have an opportunity when we see those things, if we immediately find ourselves feeling offended or hurt or pissed off about something, rein that emotion back in and be like, stop, why am I upset? And instead of being upset, let me go ask that person what they meant. Like, hey, can you just clarify this? I want to learn more instead of you pissed me off. And you're going to get amazingly different results with your social media experience. You're going to find yourself more fulfilled. You're going to find that you have better friendships, more people, and you're just going to learn so much more. So when you do have the interaction with that person, you know, in person next time or on the phone, or even if you see them on Facebook, instead of looking, they're like, oh, there's that freaking person again. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I reached out to her. You're now my new favorite person. And that's happened more times than I can count. So it's again, comes down to how are we personally responding and choosing to, um, you know, take action versus just, you know, relying on that reaction and, and taking the impulse of being offended. Definitely. And we can probably talk about this for another 15 minutes or more, but um, I've got a few more questions for you. Um, and I want to invite anybody who is interested in speaking, you know, you can request the mic now. We'll get you up in a few minutes. I just have a few more questions for charity. So the rebrand um, meta Facebook is now going to be known as meta. Um, what do you think about this decision to rebrand? What's your overall opinion of it? I love rebranding. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for whoever has the Facebook account to get on in there and sell them some new merch and uh, tell that new story. So I think it's cool. Um, I also love when brands um, change their name to tell more of their story. They've grown, they've evolved, they've changed. They're not the same company that they were 20 years ago. And so um, I love it. I think it's cool. You know, it's it's not my company. And so, um, you know, I can say all I want about a name change or a rebrand. I can have my opinions all I want, but if they feel that it's right for them, I say, you know, go for it. If that's something that's near and dear to Mark's heart and, and he wants it, then we all have, that's the beauty of branding is it's our own individual expression of who we are and what we want. So more power to you, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I agree. I think that Look, was this was this the right time to rebrand for this company? Uh, look, it was it was the right time to sort of change the narrative in the news because right now Facebook is taking a beating, even though quarter three numbers don't suggest that they're suffering, you know, from user base or from a revenue standpoint. Um, but I do think it's it's a good time to sort of change the conversation about what Facebook is today and what they're trying to to become. And I think the change to the name Meta is an overall good thing. I, I do think the name Facebook, it just never really made sense to anybody. Um, you know, I know it started out as a college company and it just, you know, Facebook, Facebook. I remember when it first came out, I was like, what, what does that even mean, a Facebook? Um, you know, so to me, I think that the, the, the name, eh, the, the name is okay. Um, but a rebrand at this time, I think is going to serve the company well. I'm just curious when it's going to, you know, we're going to see the uh, the change across the social networks when we're going to get the new logo, the new name. Will it happen anytime soon? I don't know. But I'm wondering if there's going to be change in color scheme. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot of what ifs here, but I'm interested to see what they do with this and where it goes. And of course, I'm interested to see what a metaverse looks like. You know, how could you not be somewhat curious? Um, I mean, I think in the last year and a half, we've all been sort of living in our own metaverse at home. Um, so it's, it's going to be an extension of that. Um, but yeah, the, the rebrand to me, I think, is, is sort of like an incomplete conversation. I'd love to have a conversation in, in a couple months about where it's going. Um, but as far as um, Facebook's uh, you know, impact from business, you're, you're definitely somebody who is bullish on Facebook from a business perspective. Um, what would you tell anybody, you know, especially these younger generations like millennials and Gen Z, who either are leaving the network or don't want to jump onto the network? What would you suggest as alternatives to them um, you know, in terms of social media for business? Man, that is a really, really tough question. Um, well, sorry, I had to cough. Um, I, I just, oh man, that's a really tough question. I don't know how to not be on social media, but I have a lot of respect for people that have figured it out and that are 100% dialed into their everyday lives and, you know, being present in conversations. It's not something that I understand in a sense i do find myself enjoying my time when i am somehow disconnected from facebook whether i'm you know in the mountains or you know what have you um but i i do feel that there's a competitive disadvantage by not being connected i think um that's huge so i guess if i was going to say if you're not on facebook and you're not on instagram and you're not on tiktok um for the love of all things networking, just please be on LinkedIn um, and engage in conversation in some way, shape, or form there. Because for as much as it is a distraction and as much as it is um, minutiae and unimportant sometimes, again, every single one of you here, um, I keep in contact with, I follow along with, so that when we are back in person, we have all the small talk out of the way and we can just get to enjoying each other's company. So if you use it correctly, I think you should really be here on social media. Um, and really quick, going back to the other thing you said about meta, the one thing that I will say talking about, like, you know, there's a lot in flux and some of it, we don't know what's happening. Um, I really, really am curious to see what happens with Facebook and Instagram. As you're playing along, you can see that they're trying to really push the uh, combined messaging component. They're trying to really push, um, you know, the cross posting feature. And so the thought of those two platforms being merged scares me a little bit because I enjoy them both separately for separate reasons, even though they're similar in functionality. So that one is one that I'm really interested to look out for and see what happens in the future. Yes, um, you know, that's a great point. You know, I'm, I'm not a big Instagram user, but I do understand its, its potential um, you know, I mean, I use it for business. I don't use it for much for uh, from a personal perspective, but they are They're, I mean, they're the same company, essentially. But, you know, I know that they're kind of morphing slowly into almost the same thing. I know a lot of people don't like Instagram anymore, um, ads and, and other changes that Facebook has made to them. Um, but back to the original point about not being on social media, um, you bring up LinkedIn. If if somebody had to be on social media, you suggest that they stick with, with LinkedIn. Is that correct? I mean, if they don't like Facebook, I would say LinkedIn for sure. I think you do get, if you're talking about cross-generational marketing, LinkedIn covers everybody. I think the millennials and the Gen Z know that that's a place that they have to live, um, you know, from a career standpoint. And then there is a lot of, um, you know, just older generational um, on there as well. It's, I think it's simple enough or, or people have just taken the time to figure it out enough or whatever it is that you've even got, you know, boomers and whatever, they feel like they need to be on there from a professional standpoint. So I think you do have access that spans, I don't know, probably five or six decades um, that are on LinkedIn because they feel that it is a professional network. So from a, if you're, I mean, if you're a professional and you don't want to be anywhere else, I would say be there. Facebook's still my favorite because I think the power rests in the groups. That's where the notifications are. That's where the community is built. It's not even in the feed. It's really, really in the groups. Um, so I'd say there, but LinkedIn's most universal. Yeah, um, I've 
I'm 100% in agreement with you, Charity people. And I know Melissa Newman is on this call. She knows I'm a big proponent of, of Facebook groups. I think that's exactly where you should be if you're looking to use social media for business. Um, but if you, you want to abandon Facebook entirely, even though Instagram is not, to me, an abandonment of Facebook because it is owned by Facebook. But I, I would suggest anybody who doesn't want to be on, on Facebook uh, to be on on. Uh, Instagram, I think Instagram, there's a lot of potential there as well. Of course, LinkedIn is also a great option. Um, so if you're looking to get off of Facebook, you know, I have family members and I have friends who are like, I'm going to delete Facebook. I'm done with it. You know, and six months later, they're still on there. So I, I know it's it's hard to do, but if they ever took up that fight, certainly they have to have alternatives. Um, and, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter is a little bit, you know, to me, I think Twitter has its advantages, but from a business perspective, a little bit more difficult to navigate. But anyway, we're going to wrap up in, in with one more question. I, I know we have some speakers. If you want to speak, certainly request a mic and I will get you up on stage. So, um, Charity, any final thoughts about the future of the network? You seem to be bullish on uh, Facebook, certainly the groups. Any other final thoughts about it? The only thing I'll say is it. As much as I don't ever want it to go away, it could be gone at any time. And we, um, I actually was reading an article the other day that says that our generation stands to be the lost generation because we no longer print pictures. Um, and there, you know, stands to be a digital catastrophe um, at some point in time in the future, meaning that servers could be wiped out, whether it's hackers or um uh, warfare in a digital sense. And so backup, um, all of the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, have an opportunity for you to back up your Facebook data, download your data. That means all of your pictures, all of your blogs, all of your everything. And I just think it would be a shame that if you do end up deleting Facebook or it ends up getting deleted, that all of that information and that memory, those memory books that we've created over all of these decades would be lost. So that was probably, that would probably be my number one thing to tell all of you is to just make sure that you back up your data. Um, and I do that. I actually set a reminder in my phone. So every three months I go, um, I have the reminder in my cal my Google calendar to remind me to download a new version of my data. Um, and I unzip the file and I actually back it up and I have redundancy. I put it on my sugar sink. I put it in my Google Drive and I put it on an actual hard drive as well. It sounds stupid, but that's my baby pictures, all my friends, my memories, my everything. And when somebody deletes their Facebooks and I'm tagged in their pictures, those memories go with it. So that's number one is don't lose all of your stuff. Um, and then number two is also think about, you know, when you're thinking about the future of marketing, Taylor Borst just wrote an article for, I think, Promo Corner recently. And she was talking about, um, you know, the, the future of business is an entertainment first and the actual data of doing business second. And I think there's something to be said for that. And part of the reason that these platforms are so incredibly popular um, and why TikTok is on the rise, because we all need a break from life. It's stressful. You know, the container ships, the shipping delays, the ink shortages, the, you know, going into 2022, it's starting to affect the food supply. So 2022 is going to be a weird year for even putting food on the shelves and grocery stores. And then you're going to see inflation and things are going to be three and four and five times more expensive than they are right now. So you've got scarcity and supply and demand issues and it's stressful. So the reason that social media, I think, has become so incredibly popular in all of our lives is because it's kind of like our digital cigarette in a sense. It's where we go to just escape the day for a minute. And um, that's why it's so important as we're looking at the future of marketing, really keep entertainment in mind, keep psychology in mind. Why are people doing what they do? And when I am in that space to go there for marketing or to go there for whatever, why are people here and how can what I'm doing either play into that um, and help them feel better about being in that space or will it drive them away and drive eyes away from that platform or will it stress them out if they're going to relax and I am making it worse for them. I'm using a moment of their lives with my marketing, make anything we do with their moment. Well said, Charity. Thank you again so much for your time today. I know we have a few speakers, so I'd like to get to them. Sarah, how's it going? Oh, hey, Vinny. How you doing? I'm well. Do you have a comment or question? Yeah. What was I going to say? There's a, so much. We could literally talk about this for like eight hours. Um, I think for me personally, I think I just go back and forth with, especially if we're, you know, talking about Facebook in particular, I, I just, I go back and forth between like lamenting its existence because it's just not 
like we were talking about, it's not a human way of communicating. Like where you're reading people's um, posts and their voice, but you're, you may be hearing it wrong. A lot of times we are hearing it wrong. And then also, if anybody saw the social dilemma, you know, these companies, like because they're free to use, like largely, we are the product. So the companies are manipulating us in various ways. They can put up whatever information fits their algorithms, whatever they think that you are going to want to see next, it comes up. Like there are ad infinitum. I mean, they have so many ways to shape our worldview. So that's a little scary to me. And I think, you know, there's definitely been a reaction to this. And for, you know, how many millennia have people communicated face-to-face, voice-to-voice, body-to-body? And now the past, I don't know, what is it, you know, 14, 15 years that Facebook's been in existence, it's kind of turned everything on its head. But that's not normal, right? Like there's going to be a reaction to that. Like that's not how humans interact. It's just not. So so at, on the one hand, I lament its existence and I'm frustrated at, at what it's done to relationships between people and how they manipulate us. But on the other hand, you know, companies like you're saying need to be on social. I mean, that's just where we are right now. That's just the way business is. So what is like the happy medium to that? You know, that's, I think is going to be the next phase of this. And like, the evolution of Facebook, what is that going to look like? I do think that there's a lot of opportunity in LinkedIn. I really like the vibe of LinkedIn. It's like kind of a, it's it's definitely a, a respite from the negativity of Facebook. It's a lot more positive and rah-rah, which I, I really appreciate. Sometimes I just need that to like congratulate each other on a job well done. I think that's not done enough. So um, yeah, I just, I, I go between, you know, lamenting Facebook, but then also kind of, um being you know satisfied with the fact that when when news is happening it's a quick way to keep tabs on things and kind of like what's actually going on you know like there's what they're presenting but i need to do deeper digging on this but it gives you that opportunity to see where you need to do the deeper digging because without social media these days we wouldn't know what was going on we wouldn't have like live drone footage from the ports of of long beach right like just as an example so i don't know i it's it's just i this next phase of facebook is going to be very interesting and just seeing what their role is going to be in our personal and professional lives is going to be something to behold, I think. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Sarah. I mean, the ambivalence that comes with social media right now is something everyone's challenged with. I think, you know, me, I want to I want to tune out a, a lot of times, but it's part of my job. You know, like I'm, I get up every morning and I and I log on and I'm, I'm checking not only, you know, my personal feeds, but also business feeds. And, you know, then I get sucked into areas that I'm like, I don't have time for this, but I get, I go in there and I'm, and, you know, I get distracted. And, and I think that's a very common thing for people. And also, I think you, you did mention something about um, something Charity had mentioned earlier about personal responsibility, about trying to take the personal responsibility of, your feeds, you know, and, and it's difficult when the algorithms are targeting you and you're, you're getting fed content and information that they think that this is the stuff you're looking for, um, to be able to discipline yourself enough and figure out, you know, ways to get around that stuff that is potentially triggering, triggering, it is a challenge. It's not easy. And I think that the networks, I don't know if it's by design, you know, those tools are available to you. Are they hiding them? Because, you know, a lot of times I have to figure out how do I hide something? You know, like, it, it, why isn't it more intuitive? You know, it's the tools are there probably because they have to be, but they don't make it easy for you to find. So, um, Sarah, thank you for that comment. Um, Charity, do you want to add to Sarah's comment? No, I think she's spot on and it just brings up a lot of questions. You know, none of us are fortune tellers, you know, except for me when it came to judging when Clubhouse was going to leave the scene. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a lot of variables going into the future of social media for sure. And, um, you know, along the lines of personal accountability for what we see in our feeds and, you know, being diligent about, yes, it's not always easy to find those things. And we are creatures of curiosity. So we do kind of go looking for trouble if we're honest with ourselves. We follow ex-boyfriends and you know find those things you know the the our arch nemesis we we don't really want to follow them but we go looking for it anyway um so there is a lot of personal discipline and personal responsibility in what we're following and what we go seek out and what finds us naturally and how we go out about and hide that um the other thing actually and i see uh, kate in here 
we were on a call recently and I was, um, you know, I thought I was being productive. I look back at the conversation. It's like, okay, it's a little bit complaining in a sense. And I was reminded on that conversation, like, well, go do something about it. Like, if you don't like it, then go change it. I'm like, yeah, well, but, you know, as an observer, a silent observer in the corner or not so silent observer in the corner, we also have a personal responsibility for what we're putting out. And if we want more light and we want more good and we want more positivity, we need to be purveyors of that. And so that, you know, a call to action too is um, not only put that out into the world and put more good out there, but also, you know, call others to act along with you. And that's why I love the things like promo cares and promo kitchen and, you know, constantly just trying to be the light in what could be a very dark world. But if you look for the light, you're going to find it. And if you share it, you know, hopefully it'll spread and not, it never spreads as quickly as the negativity. It never spreads as quickly as, you know, the rumors and the junk and the whatever, but with more of us going out there intentionally, you know, looking out for that, being aware of it and putting it out into the world, um, even just a little bit is going to help somebody, especially in our close promotional products network. Great point. Thank you, Charity. I believe Scott, Scott, you are up next. How's it going, Scott? Doing well, thanks. Hope everyone is also doing well. Charity, Sarah, everything you have said with, I, I, I couldn't agree with more or appreciate more. Uh, you know, Facebook or social is, I mean, it's virtual community and it is real community. Uh, to what I think you you'd alluded to uh, earlier, uh, Charity, um, I, I kind of paraphrased, you know, you are what you eat. Well, you are, you are what you consume. Um, from the perspective of, of Facebook and, and, and where Zuckerberg and company find themselves now, um, it's, it's that, that polarizing, that deeply polarizing commentary and, and, and the passage of, 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 of actual untruths that is, that's, that's paralyzed this, this, uh, this environment. We've got a, uh, forgive the, uh, ringing phone in the background. Um, my challenge right now is looking at how do you get somebody to monitor the schoolyard? Because you got a bully out there who's making a lot of noise, or bullies out there who are making a lot of noise. Um, what's the monitor going to do? What, you know, how do they how do they throttle that back? Uh, it, that's that's going to be the issue. But I think watchdog groups are doing a pretty good job of highlighting these weaknesses. Uh, the last thing, as far as the uh, as, as as Meta and where I think that's going to go, I think there's a huge. And you can write this one down today. I think there's a huge growth opportunity for them in, of all things, religion. Think about where people uh, who, who uh, uh, you know, believe or, or attend whatever church or, or, or institution, what they've done for the last number of years. I think there's going to be a tremendous growth in the metaverse for religion. Um, my two cents and worth approximately that. Take care, guys. Thanks, Scott. That, thanks for the input. I think the metaverse is going to grow a lot of areas, um, not only religion, but, but you're right. I think, you know, look, we haven't scratched the surface of this. We don't know what it's going to entail. Um, but I do believe that there's going to be a lot of opportunity um, with this. Uh, you know, the just from what I watched yesterday in, in terms of what uh, Zuckerberg's trying to create here, it, it sounds very very intriguing you know digital living spaces where you can you know sort of mingle with like-minded individuals families this kind of stuff watch movies together uh, shop you know it to me i think there's there's something to this and i know that they were really working to to get to this spot because of you know their investment in ai and um, ar so to me I, I knew this was coming but i'm i'm intrigued at where it goes and i think there's going to be a lot of potential um, for, for many aspects of life, um, digital or re reality, whatever you want to call it. But uh, thank you for that comment. Uh, Charity, do you want to add something to Scott's comment? Um, no, I think, I mean, you kind of covered everything. I think the only one thing that maybe Scott brought up that brought me back to something that Sarah said is that, you know, this is not normal, that people don't interact in this digital space like it's not by our nature that we would be you know conversing by text or reading glimpses into people's lives and while i think that was maybe true 
prior to the inception of social networks. I think about all of these Gen Z kids and the generations after them that are digital natives where it is normal for them. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, the, the only way this is going to go is forward. But maybe there is a place in time in the, you know, far off future where things might revert to, you know, quote unquote, normal in a sense where, you know, we put our phones down and we go knock on doors again and, you know, different things like that. But again, going back to what we were talking about, things being a symptom of some other problems, you know, in one way, being on social media is safe, even though it is not necessarily safe for our minds. I am in my house and my child is close by and she is, you know, two rooms over and I don't have to worry about her being, you know, outside on the street and getting snatched up. And that is not okay in a lot of ways. And it's also way better from a parent's mind in other ways. And I think there's just really a lot to think about when you talk about the living spaces and how this is going to um, play into our lives and shape our lives. And I think that you're right, Vin, there is a ton of opportunity. Um, but just like anything else, we have to just be cognizant of how people are going to exploit these spaces and exploit this technology. And in some ways, it'll be good. In some ways, it'll be bad. And I just think um, to Scott's comment about the bully on the schoolyard, this is also, I think, a call to action for those that are non-bullies. Sometimes we just sit in the corner, we're quiet because we don't want the friction or we don't want to cause problems. Or I know being an entrepreneur, one of the biggest things that I face is I really want things to change and I have all of these fantastic ideas, but man, sometimes the friction, it is just not worth the fight and we have to pick our battles. And it sucks because sometimes I lay down and roll over when I should be standing up and shouting louder. So, you know, that's something that we need to be cognizant of. If there's a bully on the schoolyard, I'm not going to leave it to the, the kid with the whistle to go and, you know, settle that kid down. It's going to take 10 people that are not bullies to shut that other loud, mean kid up. And it just takes us linking arms and being cognizant and being strong enough and being willing to, you know, be those kids that are louder than the jerk. So there you go for what's that for that, what that's worth my two cents, Scott. <laughs> Thanks for that charity. And we have last but not least, Jeremy, Jeremy, how's it going? What's up, Vin? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Awesome. First, uh, hi, Charity. I haven't talked to you a lot lately, so this is this is a rare occasion. So I hope you are well. Uh, I've I've been missing you on social media. Part my fault. Part I know you uh, were taking some breaks, but anyways, thanks for always uh, giving your insight and um, always so well thought out. You know you. Whether you are an expert in all fields, you are very uh, eloquent with your words and make sense. So thank you for being who you are and you rock. Um, your checks in the mail. I don't have a whole lot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, send Bitcoin, please. Um, I, you know, been watching all these, all the Facebook whistleblowers and, you know, it goes back... I, I, I've been torn because I watched the social dilemma and then been watching these uh, deliberations with um, the whistleblower. And, you know, I, I'm torn on a lot of areas, you know, Gary V he talks about it isn't, you know, it's social media. It's just a mirror of who we really are, you know, before we could easily hide it from people. And, you know, unless you were in a, in a, a group where you could actually, speak what you truly believe most of us kept it in and now you know it's being amplified and so you know gary v's like social media isn't the problem it's it's a mirror to what who what and who we are and so that's very interesting on the other side you know listening i specifically was listening to the deliberation of the children aspect of social media and you know, it, as a parent, it made me really sad to to see that, you know, children are they feel worse after being on it and the pressure that they have, you know, with it. And as a parent, that's hard. It's like you want to completely keep your kid away from all of that. But then they might be so isolated, <laughs> you know, it could affect them the other way if they're not socializing 
you know, on Facebook or, you know, whatever app the kids are using. And so I think that's a real tough choice, you know, for us as adults, we get what we, you know, put in. So, you know, it's going to fuel things in our lives or it's going to make us better. And we have the choice to say no to that. Um, But, you know, when we have children we're making a decision for, I think it becomes really difficult um, for that and protecting them. You know, I think the, the percentage of the bullying and the negative side of it is probably minimal for most kids, you know, for the most part, it's positive that they're talking to their friends and sharing their music and, you know, dancing silly dances. I, I, I like that aspect of it, but, you know, I think all of it comes down to our choices of, are we going to plan on being there or not? You know, obviously most of us on this call, social media is a part of our, our job as well. And so, you know, that makes it difficult. You know, I know I've, Vin is a advocate of Facebook groups and I just hate Facebook all around, but you know, I want to push myself to find that opportunity with Facebook on the business front. You know, I could, I don't even barely share much, even on my personal Facebook of my personal life. I just don't like Facebook, but you know, finding out and I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm not, you know, going to be a, a, a fuddy-duddy to just close the door on opportunities if it means that I can grow my brand and, and grow my business. But, you know, I think with all, you know, I think the meta thing is, is a bit of a distraction, but it, it just kind of, it's kind of timely in the fact that, you know, the crypto space, the NFT space, the decentralization, you know, ha- people having, you, you know, ang- anger with the government um, with Facebook it, itself, you know, I think it's 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 coming to a culmination in the metaverse, whether you're there to socialize or you're there to invest or you're there just to not give your money to the man or woman um, corporations. You know, I think there's no denying it for the people that are like, this is a fad. It's not going anywhere. NFTs are fluff, whatever it is. I think it. It's just the marketplace figuring out where this next iteration of Web3 is going to be. So um, I don't know what I'm I kind of went off topic, but, you know, I think Facebook getting into the metaverse is kind of a commercialization now that it's not a fad. It's not for, you know, weird people that are hackers and, you know, trying to go under the radar, I think it's going to be a big part of our lives and, you know, we can choose to jump on or not, but I'm choosing to learn as much as I can about it because, you know, when it becomes the internet, like it did in the nineties, you know, I want to be at the forefront and um, have it all figured out. So, you know, I'm not going to be in the Oculus world, but I'm going to be, uh, in the metaverse somehow, uh, just because I love marketing and design and creative. And that's where a lot of people will be. Well, you say that now, Jeremy, but who knows what the future holds? You, you'll probably be in the Oculus world before you know it. So, so thanks for that comment. I know, we're, oh, I know we're out of time here. Um, but I just wanted to, to say thank you to charity for spending an hour with us today on promo space. Um, charity, you, you know, obviously, you nailed all the questions. Um, you know, it's so good to have a conversation with you. I know that I've been in a few rooms with you in Clubhouse, but it's nice to see, you know, you, you get out here on, on Twitter, spend a little bit of time with us and sharing your expertise. Um, also, I wanted to thank, uh, you know, the speakers and everyone who joined us today. Um, and Charity, uh, do you have any final thoughts? before we let you go no just appreciate you having me out i know i talk a lot so i know we mentioned it might go a little longer on this one of course that always kind of happens when i'm involved so thanks for bearing with me and uh dealing with my long-windedness jeremy i want to thank you you know just for your kind words for being here i love watching you make bread on instagram so don't ever stop making that bread um i rely on that i don't need carbs so i just stare at that and wish i could be enjoying it and partaking of it but that's where um, I guess my final thoughts would lay is that regardless of what you're doing on social media for business just remember that before we are marketers before we are business people 
before we are anything, we're people first. And it's about connecting people. So no matter what happens with the metaverse or with social media or with Twitter or with Facebook or with whatever, um, you know, just keep your people close and just continue building those relationships, whether it's online or offline and teach your children. Well, I think that's the other thing that I would just, my last comment is children, um, are the future. They're going to be on social media. It is our job. Just like we teach them, about reading and writing and arithmetic and we teach them hopefully finances you know teach them about compounding interest at nine years old they need to know that early i didn't learn it till i was 35 um but also teach them about social media and about setting their boundaries teach them how to sculpt their feeds and get them with a life coach or just have them work on their emotional intelligence so that when things do happen in the metaverse that they're well equipped and prepared to deal with it and also to influence their friends and teach them well because they are the future of not only social media but also of our business and just of the world in general they're going to be taking care of us one day so let's make sure that we're doing our best to teach them well and take care of them now and that's it Bravo. That's a wonderful final thought, Terry. Thank you so much. And again, thank you everybody who, who joined us, everyone who contributed to the conversation. Um, join us every Friday at one o'clock. We'll be here next week. I don't know what the topic is, but again, thank you everybody. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Bye.